Hello, and welcome to this podcast of Sunday Sermons from Concord United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll find this message to be meaningful, insightful, and a refreshing part of your daily walk with God. Please feel free to share this podcast with family, friends, or anyone else who might benefit from it. This podcast is part of the digital ministries of Concord United, and we are grateful that you have chosen to experience worship and God's Word with us. For more information about Concord United and its ministries, please visit our website at concordunited.org. It's wonderful to be able to share with you today. Today, we're, we're concluding our sermon series called Why Church? And we, we've talked about how it's church that shows us how to accept and share Christ, how to serve others. And, and also, it's this community of faith uh, that is God has charged with teaching us where to find our hope and, and helping us grow towards God and grow in faith every day of our lives. There's, there's so much hope we see. Uh, it, it gives me so much hope to see what the preschool's done for 60 years. It gives me so much hope to see the sacrifices our veterans make, which we have celebrated this week and continue to celebrate. And also there's another thing that really gives me hope, and that is seeing the heart that you have for serving others and our community. We we have a group that's been away and and is on their way back this weekend. They may be tuning in online. We want to say hi to them. Uh, They they were our apple butter team. They went to Virginia, and we have this... uh, uh, mission trip every year. We go to Virginia, we make apple butter, we bring it back and we sell it and it funds most or a lot of our community missions. It, it helps fund. And I actually received a text from them suggesting that they knew that as pastors, we always like to increase worship attendance. And they said, have you thought of communion with apple butter? Um, but I think we have some pictures of them. Uh, so they're away. They're, they're on their way back. So we want to say hello. We want to say how thankful we are for you guys and hope you're having a safe trip and that you've just had a, a blessed weekend. Uh, and would encourage any of you, if you have the chance, it's amazing. You get to engage in an ancient Appalachian tradition together and just have a weekend full of worship and Bible study and fellowship and fun. It's, it's, it's really some, something else. Uh, and when you're there, and sometimes you might find this, uh, when you're around people like that, when you're in certain settings, it's easy to find hope. And when you're in other settings, it's hard to find hope. So what we're going to talk about today is how we can find hope all the time. And one of those ways is we'd encourage you to be a part of the Bible reading plan. You can pick up a copy of the Information Center. Uh, you can also find it at concordunited.org slash Bible along with a daily devotion. Uh, but being in God's Word every day really points us in the right place to find hope. Because what we find is that our world often points us in the wrong place. Uh, generally, our world tells us you need to find hope in yourself, right? In your own smarts, in your own willpower, in your own strength, in your own toughness, uh, in your own talent, uh, in your own determination, that's where you should look to, to find hope. And let me tell you, strength, wisdom, toughness, willpower, that's all great, right? That, that's what we hope young people learn as, as they grow and as, as they develop. But you get to a point in life where you realize that sometimes believing in yourself just isn't enough. Like you, 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 you need to believe in, in, in something more. Uh, if you ever go on the apple butter trip, you'll find that out. Because what you do on the apple butter trip is you learn the ancient old Appalachian way of making apple butter, which is the correct God-given way, right? (laughs) 
Uh, have you ever, if you've ever been to a restaurant and they've given you like apple butter made in a factory, it's awful. It tastes like applesauce with a little syrup mixed in. Uh, but we make it the old way. We get the cauldrons out and we light a wood fire underneath them. Uh, and and we, we do all, all the old stuff. And sometimes we'll, uh, we'll run into other people and they'll say, yeah, my, my church, we, we make apple butter. And we'll be like, oh, really? And they'll be like, yeah, uh, we, we use red hots for it. And we're like, oh. And we're, we're sitting there going, well, Jesus, please have mercy on these folks. We, we, use, we use three ingredients because Jesus intended three ingredients. We use apples, we use sugar, we use oil of cinnamon. And when you go, you learn how to do it from someone who's done it for decades, right? And they learned how to do it from someone who had done it for decades. And they learned how to do it from someone who had done it for... So it's this ancient tradition uh, beginning with settlers in Appalachia that's been passed all the way up to us, you'd never figure it out on your own, right? And, and we're told to find hope just by believing in yourself, but sometimes you need wisdom beyond yourself. It, it's not enough on your, I think about uh, any of the, the most important things in my life, there's no way I can do them on my own, right? Uh, without strength and wisdom from somewhere beyond myself. I, I, I took wedding vows. I, I, I didn't just pledged to stay together, I pledged to honor and to cherish every day in sickness and health for better or worse. Oh my goodness, like I need help beyond my own to do that. And I'm pretty sure that my wife was counting on that I would have help beyond my own, or I don't think it would have been a very helpful covenant for her, right? Uh, I, I think about raising kids, right? Like I talked to someone before we had kids and I was like, how do you know when you're ready to raise kids? And they're just like, you're not. <laughs> like, please, every three, every two years, you got to learn a whole new stage and a whole, whole new way. And to, raising kids takes parents, it takes aunts, uncles, grandparents, teachers, coaches, mentors, Sunday school teachers, youth counselors, I, every right? Take, take, takes the, it takes, you, you're not going to figure that out on, just on your own. Uh, and, and then, like, I'm, I'm up here preaching a sermon to you, right? Uh, friends, if I tried to think, well, I, I can just figure out on my own something good to say that will help people to hear. Oh, my goodness, if I ever get up here and uh, that's what I've done, like, you should, you should seriously sleep through it. You, you just should, you, you, would, you would get more out of it. Uh, no, I'm, I'm looking at the Bible. At wisdom from those who've come before. And I'm praying for the Holy Spirit to help inspire from this wisdom, uh, wisdom for today and for living faithfully today. Help from beyond yourself. Believing in yourself is, is great in a lot of circumstances, but it's not always enough. I want to tell you as Christians that our hope if, if you remember, if you were with us a couple weeks ago, we talked about Romans 5. And we talked about where our character comes from. That character comes from endurance. Endurance comes from suffering for a good purpose. And when, when we've suffered on purpose for a good purpose, that develops character. And our hope comes from 
our character, but it only comes from our character when our character has become the character of Christ. We're going to read that in just a moment. And that's the work God's doing in us. And I want to remind you of another verse real quick. Philippians 1 verse 6, it says, He who began a good work in you, he began, who began building that holy character, that Christ-like character in you, will bring it to completion, right? That's where we get our hope, is God's mission, God's presence, God's faithfulness, the character of Christ. And that's where our hope comes from. And then when our character starts becoming like Christ's character, then we begin to access that hope. It's always there, but then we begin to feel it. Then we begin to know it. Then we begin to be able to use it for ourselves. So I want to read you again that passage from Romans 5. And we're going to read just to remind ourselves what we read two weeks ago about character, and then we're going to jump into the bit about where that hope really comes from and the character of Christ. So this, this is Romans 5. We're going to start with the first five verses. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not also that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, Endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint because God's love has been poured out of, into, poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Okay, so again, how, how does God's love get in our heart through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us? Not, not just of ourselves. And where does hope come from? It comes from this character that comes from suffering for a purpose, our purpose being to become like Christ. Now, what, what is Christ like? What's Christ's character? What's Christ's nature? That's what's coming next, beginning with verse 6. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, someone might actually dare to die. But God proves God's love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Much more surely than now that we have been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from the wrath of God. For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more surely, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life. But more than that, we even boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. There's a lot in that. There's a whole lot in that. So we're going to break that down. The very foundation, the start of Jesus's character. And so the birth of our hope is found in Jesus's compassion. The foundation of Jesus's character and our hope is born in Jesus's compassion. Remember verse 6, it said that while we were still weak, Christ died for the ungodly. While we were weak, for the ungodly. It goes on to say that Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. At our worst, Jesus had compassion on us. On our very worst day, at our worst moment, when we were running 100 miles an hour away from God's will for us, when we were hurting others and ourselves with our actions, God looked at us and said, I just love him. I just love her enough to give my life. At that moment, that's when God's, if you ever wonder how God feels about you at your worst, think about someone you love 
and someone that you love enough that you're never going to give up on them, but someone you know well enough to know like uh, their uh, character failings, right? And you know the situations that they get put in uh, that are not going to end up well, right? And, and you look at them and you're like, I just, I just love them. I, 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 just, I just love them. I, I have a friend, when, when he was younger, he struggled with anger. And um, there, there was this great moment. Uh, um, there's this thing that happens if you have brothers, right? So brothers sometimes uh, get into arguments, and sometimes, I don't know if any of you have noticed this, sometimes brothers can be competitive, right? Well, my friend and his brother, uh, they were playing a video game. And some of you may know this video game. Some of you old timers out there. It was called Tecmo Bowl. So I, I hear a murmuring. Some of you are thinking that's the greatest game ever made. Well, they were playing and some of you are thinking, I've never heard of that. But the kids nowadays play this new thing called Retro Bowl, which is based on it. So all, all you um, uh, teenagers, we were cool back in our day too. I promise. I know it sounds like the pastor must be lying, but I promise we were. Well, they were playing this game and his brother won. So he took off his shoe and he threw it at his brother as his brother ran out of the room. And whenever today we see our friend get in a situation where we see his anger go up and we can tell like he's about to lose his cool. We look at each other and we're like, who throws a shoe? Who throw? And it's just our way of saying, we love that guy. He's about to embarrass himself. We love him, right? We're not gonna give up on him. God looks at us in much more serious situations than brothers playing video games. God looks at us at our very worst, at our absolute worst. He says, I just love them. I just love them. And then we find that not just that, but while our hope is born out of the foundation of Christ's character as compassion, our hope's confirmed for us by Christ's sacrifice. Because we're told that Christ not just cared about us, but Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. He sacrificed for us. And it wasn't a small sacrifice. It wasn't something that he did lightly. He was so disturbed. He wanted there to be another way. He knew the physical and emotional toll that torture and crucifixion would take on him to such a degree that we're told he became so anxious, so disturbed in spirit that before he was to be arrested, he prayed and his sweat became like drops of blood. He was that disturbed. He knew how difficult it would be being God and being human. He knew what was coming by being God. But being human, it was just as difficult for him to endure. It hurt just as much as it would hurt any of us. And he did it. If God was ever going to give up on you, God would have given up on you before the cross. The cross was God saying, no way, not now, not ever. I'm paying the highest price. And I'm paying the highest price, not just for those goody two-shoes religious folk, and not just for those people who accept my teachings. I'm paying it for all. 
I'm paying it for the folks who may never have anything good to say about me, may never contribute anything of worth to this world. I'm doing it for them just so they'll have a chance. Just so they'll have a chance that that confirms it. If you ever wonder if you still have hope, the cross says you do. The cross says God still has hope for you. And even if you can't see it for yourself, if God still has it for you, then it's still there. And then finally, when we get to those moments where it's hard for us to see that hope, our hope is sustained. There's something that sustains it. And it's sustained by Jesus' faithfulness. Because Jesus came to be about something greater than himself. There are many ways he could have lived a life that would have been much easier, much more enjoyable, and still would have done a lot of good for the world. But he couldn't have done that and accomplished the mission of his father. We're told that he was about the father's mission. And Romans 5 verses 10 and 11 contained for us a summary of the father's mission. For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more surely then, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life. But more than that, we even boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. All right. The father's work is reconciling us. The father, you remember the story of the prodigal son, right? The son goes off and wants nothing to do with the father and wants to waste all the father's resources on immorality. And what, what's the father do? The father waits and the father watches. And we're told that while the son was still far off, the father saw him, which meant the father had been looking for him. And the father began to run to him. And in those days, it was undignified for an adult man to run. Certainly not the patriarch of the household. But he ran to him because he'd been hoping and he'd been praying and he'd been wanting more than anything else for his son to come back. And what we're told is that that's how God feels about all of us. And that Jesus' job was to go and to make a way for people to know that they could return. That they, that they could return and they'd be received by a loving God. That's, that was, and he was more dedicated to that than in anything else. That was the whole point of his life. And this is why he defied every expectation people had of him. When they found out who he was, they thought he'd be a political leader. And they thought, oh, you'll, you'll lift up Israel. And if Israel could have become stronger in that part of the world at that time, it would have done a lot of good for the world politically. But that wasn't what Jesus was called to do. You see, the mission just of the nation of Israel wasn't big enough for him. I'm, I'm always amazed. Uh, we, you know, we had elections uh, this last week and it reminded me of, the, uh, you know, the presidential elections. And uh, whenever we elect a president, uh, once every four years, we talk about the job of president and the job being to defend the Constitution of the United States. And when you look at how big that job is and what it does to people, have you ever seen the pictures of our presidents? Like before they took the job and after? And you're like, why would anybody take that job? Like, I, I cannot imagine the stress that that jo job brings. I'm not sure there's a bigger job in the world than, than that job. But Jesus looked at the job of being a head of state and said, that's too small for me. That's, that's too small for me. Because when you defend the constitution of your country, 
by nature of that, you have to, you're an advocate, you have to prioritize your citizens above others. Jesus couldn't make that deal. It's like, I can't make that deal because I'm about my father's mission for all, for all the sinners, for all the, the ungodly, for Jew and Greek, for slave and free, for male and female, for all. And some people thought Jesus should have been a military leader. And they thought he'd fight and win great battles like King David did and King Saul before him. That he would be this new conquering military leader. But it was amazing. Jesus didn't do that. He came to love enemies, not to slaughter them. And I was really touched this week as I went to vote. I love the way voting and Veterans Day comes on the same week. And I was there, and you know, I, I, I want to say to you, um, if you waited till election day, you probably stood in line for a while. And if you voted early, you probably feel uh, smug and somewhat morally superior uh, <laughs> to those of us who waited and, and had to stand in line. So enjoy the feeling. Um, but I was standing in line, I was a little irritated. I was like, got a lot of things to do today. Don't really want to stand, stand in this line all day. And then I began to think about what a privilege it was to stand in that line. What a privilege it was to be able to vote. And the veterans who had sacrificed for that. And I began to think about particularly the veterans who were voting that day. And the fact that they had sacrificed so that people could vote against them. Right? They didn't sacrifice just so their preferred candidate could have control of the country. They sacrificed so that we could all have a say. And I thought about the work of Jesus, who didn't just come to conquer enemies, who came to love them, who came to convert them, who came to bring them into the family of God. He, he didn't come to be a political leader, didn't come to be a military conqueror. He didn't come to be just a regular rabbi. He, he could have taught in the synagogues, had his own family, had an enjoyable life. He, he didn't do that. Never got to enjoy family life. Never got to raise kids of his own or be married. Uh, never got to, in his adult life, uh, have a home that he went back to. He was, he was always traveling uh, once, he, once he began his ministry because he was about something bigger, bigger than himself. He could have just been a humanitarian. He could have gone around working miracles, feeding thousands of people, healing people. Uh, he, he could have done uh, more for hunger ministries than Second Harvest Food Bank ever thought about. He could have done more for medical ministry than St. Jude Hospital dreams about. He could have done more than anybody ever before. But if that was all he was about, you know, we'd read about him and we'd go, that's a really good guy. I should give about $100 to his charity this year. Honestly, that's what we'd do. We'd be sort of inspired and we'd say, I, I, you know, I should give a little bit. But that, just being a humanitarian, just helping us help each other a little bit more, that, that would be an amazing thing for any of us. But for him, it wasn't big enough. Uh, he, he wasn't just a teacher or just a philosopher. He, he was... I think the greatest teacher and the greatest philosopher ever to live, I think his teachings and his philosophy of life uh, are true to a degree that nothing else is. But, but friends, that's, that's not all he is. Uh, 
We need to learn his teachings. We need to study his philosophy. But let me ask you this. I, I don't know how many of you love philosophy. I love philosophy. Um, I, I, I think a lot of our lives and our society are, is based on philosophy. We don't know it. it it's kind of hidden beneath the surface. But I think it has a lot to do with that. I like to read philosophy. But just let me ask you this. How many of you have ever seen your life flash before your eyes while reading philosophy? Anybody? How many of you count as the greatest moment of your young adulthood, Philosophy 101? Anybody? A few. If there is one, I really want to have lunch with you because we can have some great conversations. But ultimately, philosophy is ideas that we debate and that we wrestle with. And he gave us ideas, ideas that I'll wrestle with until I go to the grave. But that's not all he gave us. He gave us himself. He gave us his sacrifice because we didn't just need a head of state. We didn't just need uh, a captain of the army. Uh, we didn't just need a rabbi at the local synagogue. Uh, we didn't just need a humanitarian. We didn't just need a philosopher and teacher. We needed a savior. And we needed someone who wouldn't just tell us what was right, but would give us the power to live it out by him living in us. We didn't need someone who would just tell us uh, that we should forgive ourselves. We needed someone in whose forgiveness we could find the strength to forgive ourselves. We, we didn't just need someone who would tell us how to love others. We needed someone who would show us and who would give us the strength to do so even when we don't like them. We needed a savior. If we were gonna have any hope, we needed a savior and that's exactly what we got and that's where our hopes found not in ourselves but in him not in our strength but in his not in our wisdom but in his wisdom through which the world came into being if you'd like to find your hope there then I'd invite you to pray with me gracious God we give you thanks we thank you for the character of your son which reveals to us your very character. We thank you for your heart, which seeks to reconcile us even while we are far off. We thank you that your son loved us enough to die for us while we were yet sinners, before we had turned around, before we had cleaned up our act, before we had gotten ourselves together. We thank you for your promise to never leave us or forsake us that we find in your son's sacrifice for us. God, when our lives are difficult, and when hope looks bleak, teach us to look to your son, Jesus the Christ. And may the character that was in him grow inside us through the power of your spirit. We all said together, amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Concord United Methodist Church. This podcast is a ministry of Concord United, and we would love to hear from you. To contact us, please send an email to podcasts at concordunited.org with sermons in the subject line. For more information about Concord United, including worship times, service opportunities, mission efforts, and classes, please visit our website at concordunited.org. We also invite you to download and enjoy our daily devotional podcasts presented by the pastors and members of Concord United. Finally, we would appreciate it if you would leave a rating and a review of this podcast so that others can discover it and benefit from it.